Right now, you can get both Sprint's unlimited plan and the all-new Samsung Galaxy S10 included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. All you need is approved credit and 24-month installment billing. No trade-in required. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Phone $15 a month after $22.50 a month credit. Apply within two bills. If cancel early, remaining amounts due. Unlimited basic after 630 Pay $32 per month per line for five lines with auto-pay data deprioritization during congestion. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. Right now, you can get both Sprint's unlimited plan and the all-new Samsung Galaxy S10 included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. All you need is approved credit and 24-month installment billing. No trade-in required. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Phone $15 a month after $22.50 a month credit. Apply within two bills. If cancel early, remaining amounts due. Unlimited basic after 630 Pay $32 per month per line for five lines with auto-pay data deprioritization during congestion. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Jodron. Joining me is the one and only Jake Watroba. No Armand Kafai this week. He's enjoying the weekend off. On this week's episode, we look at the different aspects behind the La Liga game in the United States. Is this a good idea? Charles Baum, D.C. area soccer reporter, calls in the chat D.C. United and U.S. men's national team. Were we wrong about Wayne Rooney? Why isn't Oscar Pereira linked with the U.S. men's national team? Finally, Uncle Sam contributor Eric Langmack joins us to do the counterattack with Jake Watroba. Follow us on Twitter, Uncle Sam Soccer Pod. We always enjoy your feedback and comments, so continue to send them in. You can find the show on any major podcast platform. But let's get to today's show. Oh, Jake, what a day it's been for your Minnesota Vikings. Steven, Steven, let's not even, let's not limit it to just the day. Okay, let's let's talk about this, the, the last few days up here in Minnesota. Vikings uh, bleep the bed against the Bills. Jimmy Butler wants out of Minnesota. Uh, let's see, what else, what else is going on here? The Twins didn't, are terrible. Didn't Minnesota United win? Minnesota United won. I didn't, I really, I've... I've checked out of that of them so hard recently because they're just they were they've been terrible recently. Uh, they almost blew a they almost blew the game last night against Portland. Uh, but everything every it's been really bad up here. The booze has been flowing today. Let's just say that. All right, perfect. Let, let's let's get into this. La Liga in the United States. Girona versus Barcelona, potentially taking place in Miami. A La Liga match. Three points at stake here. Champions League positioning. League title, January 26th. Do we like this? Is don't this forget, a good idea? Don't forget, you also you missed this too. Girona could be in a potential relegation battle towards the end of the season. We don't know if they're 11th right now on the table, but that's not too far off from from where they from being at the bottom of the table. I mean, those are those could be three big points for them, considering it's at home. I get it; it's against Barcelona. You know, you know, a 
one of the big boys in La Liga. But let's not forget that. This game is a neutral game for them, essentially. Actually, probably an away game because most of the fans in Miami are going to be pulling for Messi and Suarez and Barcelona. I don't like this. I don't like it at all. I get that in America we send teams to – uh, specifically in the, in the NFL, we send teams to London, we send teams to Mexico City to, to play games. But those teams aren't, can't get relegated, Stephen. Those teams don't play for Champions League or your Europa League qualification. Yep. You know, they're, they're some of those teams, what they're bad, you know what they're doing? They're playing for first round. They're, they're playing for draft position come April or May or whenever the draft is. Yeah, you're right. So it, this is – I. This is this is I I I I don't agree with this, and I you you laugh you laugh, but <sighs> it, this is this is I don't understand what La Liga is trying to do. I mean, I guess I I know what they're trying to do. Well, okay, let, but, let's get into it. Uh, Charlie Stilatano is the American sports executive and radio presenter. He currently serves as executive chairman of Relevant Sports, the company that hosts the International Champions Cup and host of the football show on Series. XMFC 157 during. So he describes this as, quote, a first of a kind 15 year equal joint venture to promote soccer in the United States and Canada, which is baffling because soccer here in America, I think, is well and alive. Like, can we quit this narrative that soccer somehow needs to be continuously promoted? Like, it's everywhere you go. Can we stop making soccer? To be some sort of thing of the future, it's here, damn it! Like it, I think it, it's always stupid when people comment like that because there's there's a narrative that gets fed to neutral fans like, oh, soccer is still growing. I'm not gonna check into MLS because they're gonna promote it more. I'm gonna wait for it to get better. No, promote what we have here because it's it's decent. It's not the best, but it's it's good. Now, a lot of what I'm gonna read here comes from a Bleacher Report story, Gene Jones. Quote, soccer is growing fast in the States with a Gallup poll in January leading Forbes to suggest it will soon be America's third favorite spectator sport. Stilatano is still trying to make sure the country grasps this moment. Quote, I've been thinking for a long time about the possibility of having a regular season game in the States. And that is the honest truth. Stilatano tells Bleacher Report, I was involved in the Italian Super Cup between Juve and Milan played in New Jersey in 2003. They were two of the biggest clubs in the world at the time. I only say Manchester United were bigger than them at the time. Since then, we have held many games and realized quickly that a league game is the best way to set the flag a lot firmer in the ground. Jake, since when was La Liga part of the American Federation here in CONCACAF, USSF, MLS? Like, I didn't know La Liga valued what was going on here in America to the point that they wanted to play a game here. The only thing I can think of for why they'd want to do this is, does anybody pay attention to La Liga outside of Real Madrid and Barcelona? That's a do very you, good do you question. Pay- do you pay attention? I, I don't pay attention. I, I couldn't give a you-know-what about La Liga. So much so that I don't even care when the El Clasico is on. And I I don't have the cable package that broadcasts La Liga first and foremost. But if I did, I still wouldn't care. I don't care. The I don't think the league is that competitive outside of Real, Barca, and Atletico. I think you would agree. I think that the mid-table and lower-table clubs aren't very good in La Liga. And I, I don't think they're worth watching. Quite I frankly. know the I I just like the Premier League better. That's what 
people grew up watching here in the States. This is the Premier League. You know the clubs. You know the players more. I don't know. I don't know if it's just the fact that they speak English in in England that it helps. But yeah, I don't I don't know what the interest is in La Liga as a league outside of Atletico, Real Madrid, and Barca. Furthermore, I think Serie A is way more fascinating. May AC Milan, Inter, Roma, Napoli, Juve. Like, those are five clubs off the top, you know, that I just said. After Real Madrid, Atletico, and Barca, you start to stumble. Sevilla, Real, but how many people care? Back to the story. Silatano here makes a very fair point. Quote, we have seen the NFL move games outside of America. So we asked, why can't we do that the other way around? Jake, that's a fair point, is it not? It is a fair point. It is a fair point. But I don't I just like you soccer's here. Why are we why are we doing this game? Why? What are we what are we what are we doing? This isn't the <laughs> NFL in England, okay? What are we doing? Where's our mom? What, are, what we, are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> soccer is here. Soccer has arrived. MLS now, it might not be the most popular league in this country. You might argue that it's the Premier League or it's Bundesliga or whatever. But it's here. We're This isn't like the NFL in England, okay? We're not trying to get – where the NFL is trying to just get people to pay attention to the NFL in Europe. This is completely different. We play soccer, at least two professional leagues in this country right now, three on the way, a, th- a third one on the way with USL 3 or – Whatever D three or whatever we're calling it now, I don't understand what what like why what what is the point of this? Like it's here, it's here. The only thing I can think of for why they want to do this is somebody noticed that man these stupid Americans are paying tons of money to see a friendly between Real Madrid and Barcelona and Miami in the in in the middle of uh, July. Why don't we put why don't we why don't we bring Barcelona over there to roll Girona? Why don't we do? some money for us let me let me ask you this before we continue here real madrid and barcelona will never ever move one of their regular season games here to the state they're not do, do fans and do do these executives not realize that we're only going to see the big weights play small weights and and it's just gonna be a, just a revenue increase and that's it that's all it means it's it, it's just for the sake of having money it, it's ridiculous back to jones to journalist and La Liga expert Rafael Hernandez, the issue for many who are skeptical is that business interests are outpacing what's best for the game. And that's clearly what's going on here. Now, Stilatano says, quote, I am a traditionalist and purist, he says. Honestly, I am. I have supported AC Milan my whole life. But because I don't live 12 blocks away, does that mean I'm not a big enough fan and should never be able to see them? Well, I'm sorry, Stilatano. Is the responsibility of the club to come here? So, in Jake's case, is Chelsea supposed to come to America, to Minnesota specifically, so Jake can watch Chelsea Football Club? Is that they, what you're they saying? They did actually. They, they actually, they actually did, uh, Stephen. I know, but I'm saying a regular season <laughs> Premier League game, not regular season, just a Premier League game. No, it, it, this, this guy is talking out. Okay, God, this is this guy is talking out of both sides of his mouth. You can't say you're a traditionalist and a purist, and, but then say, "Well, I think it's a little unreasonable that 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 
the team won't play a game in America. I think I, I think as a traditionalist and a purist and a big fan of this club, I deserve to see them play in Miami, uh, you know, once a year or, or, or something to that effect. Come on, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. You can't well, have it both ways. He doesn't. He doesn't stop there. Yes. Fans in Spain may miss one game, but the fans in America never get to see a game, and now they can. All this wasn't just on our side, though. La Liga were having the same thoughts about how they could grow their brand. What are we doing here? Somehow La Liga has an interest in America. Why? Because La Liga's not making more money than the Premier League, so how are they going to do that? Clearly... Their league TV rights aren't as valuable because the league is so top-heavy, people don't watch it. So what are they going to do? They're going to try to ship games here so they can make money. Now, this is where it gets really interesting. Jones writes, the Premier League fans may fear they're next on the hit list. And and the possibility of taking English football's community shield to America has been explored before. A long tie-in with Wembley brought a quick halt to the plan. But it is something that may one day be revisited. Right now, the Spanish concept will get full focus ahead of its launch, and the level or the lack of success will be closely watched. Clearly, it's going to do that. But, Jake, would it not make more sense for the Premier League to do this than La Liga? Yeah, I, I, I would think it does, but in the same sense, though, too, like, what, why? What, like, what, <laughs> soccer's here, what are we, mar- I, I don't understand what, what the point is of bringing Barcelona and Girona or Liverpool and Arsenal? What What's the point of that? Are more are more people supposed to watch soccer because Arsenal and Liverpool played in Miami or Barcelona and Girona played in Miami? Is that is that what I'm supposed to take away from this? Is that well they they played Miami, so now I guess I'm going to start paying attention to La Liga or or the or the Premier League. I I don't I don't get the rationale. I don't what know if would you help, do, but. Or, or, Sorry to interrupt, but what would help is to have the MLS product grow. So there's an actual tie in tribal tie. So, you know, if FC Dallas goes on this winning tear, wins two MLS clubs, well, maybe fans in Dallas would care more. But if Real Madrid show up, that's not going to boost the product here in America. It's just going to keep more Euro snobs snobbier. It's just and the American fans, the MLS fanboys, are just going to have more yelling to do. That, that's what. That's all that's going to there is going to be the snobbiness will increase and the yelling will be amplified no you're right you will you as the euro snob on this podcast will be extra snobby (laughs) armand as the mls purist will be extra yelly and i'll just be in the middle like what are we doing yeah i'll just be what what are we doing i don't i don't know what's going on why are we why are we having these games that's all i can say why are we it doesn't i just this is so stupid it's so dumb Steven. Well, it gets dumber. Um, and I'm not calling Jones the dumb one here. I think Silatano is clearly making a lot of money off of this, and good for him. If he wants to be a you know capitalist and make all this money, good. Good for him. But I think this is destroying the purity of what soccer is about. Back to the story. And as this grand experiment begins, it leads some to wonder if more European matches are on the way to America. Could, perhaps... A day come when the Champions League final is held in the U.S. Celetano thinks so. I say, why not? Uh, At at this point, why not just create a a World Super League where we include some clubs from Mexico, the U.S., maybe a team from Canada, the the major European countries, a couple from China, a couple from Africa, some from Argentina and Brazil, and just just play play it like that. 
because at, at this point, what's even the argument for having separate leagues anymore? Steven, you're right. And I think that's what what we're trending towards. Maybe not on a global scale, but I, I think the foundation is being laid for a uh, European Super League. I, I think you can definitely see that happening, most notably with how the Champions League is set up right now, where the smaller smaller leagues in Europe have have a harder time of qualifying to get to the uh, the, the final 32 of the Champions League now. I mean, the, the, the bigger the bigger leagues now have more more spots with, to, to, to give them automatic qualifying. And I think that's what it's turning towards. I think the powers that be in UEFA want to see the big boys in the big countries make the make make that tournament. And La Liga is going to have to jump through hula hoops here because they need the support of the RFEF, which is the Spanish Federation, the Spanish Sports Council, UEFA, CONCACAF, and U.S. Soccer in order to move this game to Miami. Now, the Federation does not want to do that. Infantino says, I would prefer to see a great MLS game in the U.S. rather than La Liga in the U.S., which I think clearly is a good statement by the FIFA president. I would be very, very worried if he said, yeah, this is a great idea. La Liga players are against the move. Real Madrid's president, uh, Florentino Perez, has publicly come out against the plans. And it, it just continues. Tepas, who, who's kind of been the leading charge here, says it's not a threat against MLS. Jake, do, do you think, and, and he's worried that MLS sees it as a threat. Quote, what worries me is that MLS commissioner Don Garber thinks that it is an attack against the MLS to come to North America, which it's not. Which uh, this is coming courtesy ESPN FC in Miami. I insist it is just the opposite. Since when is it the job of La Liga to grow soccer here in America? What? No, and Don Garber has every reason to be concerned about <laughs> La Liga playing regular season matches in America because let's face it, if these big MLS isn't going to take its games to Spain, well, it's. It's this this match in this La Liga match in Miami only devalues MLS. Mm-hmm. You're you're bringing one of the top five, you're bringing games from one of the top five leagues in the world to America to quote unquote market soccer. MLS isn't going to bring one of its games to England or Italy or France or Spain or wherever because guess what? No one cares to see Sporting Kansas City play whoever Colorado Rapids no one cares no one wants to see that no one wants to see Atlanta United beat the piss out of uh San Jose granted <laughs> I don't know <laughs> maybe recently I maybe uh, uh that I think uh, that result doesn't really hold true but uh but no one no one cares no one wants to see that now, I don't think people will care honestly after the first couple of games actually get played here particularly if it's not big clubs if Barcelona continue to play minnows I, I'll, I'm going to check out. I, I just don't care. And nothing bores me more than watching a big club take down the small one. I, you do feel like we're trending towards this global Super League. And it's going to disrupt and it's just going to tear apart the fabric of what soccer and that tribal feeling of what soccer is all about. And I don't have the quote in front of me, Jake. I wish I did. But at one point, Tepes makes... I don't know if he's if he means this seriously, 
But he goes, oh, here it is. We don't consider ourselves competing with MLS. If the MLS one day wants to play a game in Spain, I will help them with that game. Does Tepes realize literally no one would show up to that game? Like, could you imagine people in Madrid gearing up to go watch the New England Revolutions versus the Philadelphia Union? Yeah, that's, that's, that's really what I want to watch here in, in Spain. The Philadelphia Union versus the New England Revolution. No, no is... one would care. No one would care. That's like, do you think anybody in, because they do this in baseball, they do this in Japan or Australia, do you think any, anybody in Japan or Australia would care if Major League Baseball sent two AA affiliates to go play games in Japan? Do you think anybody would care? <laughs> nope, not at all. No. It's a baffling thing, and it's something to keep your eye out on because, listeners, I, because of time's sake, I did not get to all the details. And there's a ton of details, and there's a lot of hula hooping La Liga has to do because FIFA has very strict rules, and that's something you want to circle. you got to pay attention to what FIFA does. And at the end of the day, follow the dollars. Wherever the dollars end up going, it's most likely where you can see the yeses appear. So keep an eye out on that. Up next, Charles Bohm. Joining us right now is Charles Baum. He is a DC area soccer reporter. He writes for a ton of different outlets. Follow him on Twitter at cbaum. Charles, how's it going? Great. I think that may be the best intro I've gotten yet. Really? Very efficient. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's talk about DC United and Wayne Rooney because uh, it seems like the signing has done a lot of good. How is Rooney really transformed the club here in the last couple of months. Yeah, safe to say. I think uh, I think the impact has been more dramatic than even maybe the club could have hoped for. Um, it's been it's been a real turnaround. Now, we all we always knew that there would be or expected that in anything other than a worst case scenario for DC United that there would be a mid season bump, there'd be a new stadium bump, um, um, some benefits gleaned from a backloaded schedule with tons of home games down the stretch during the most kind of pivotal point of the season or, or moment of the segment of the season. Uh, but the extent of it uh, has been, has been dramatic. Um, Rooney has, you know, so, and I have to start by saying I was a skeptic. I'm sure I'm on record in multiple places and media venues, uh, media channels, um, sharing my skepticism when this all went down, because it seemed like maybe not enough, maybe a, a flashy bandaid over a deeper wound. And it may still, when the sample size gets bigger, I think there are going to be some issues to be dealt with. But they've certainly put themselves in the mix. Um, they, they've skyrocketed up the standings. They've ratcheted up their points per game. So if they stay on the track they've been since Audi Field opened, uh, we're looking at very likely a playoff team. At the very least, they've set themselves up uh, to go neck and neck with, uh, with uh, Montreal, possibly New England, right down to the wire. So. Uh, Bruni has not has brought a lot of quality on the field, but he's and he's brought media attention and relevance off the field and in terms of ticket sales and presence in the media market. Um, but I think maybe the most um, sweeping and, and, and sneaky dramatic effect has just been to lift the level of everyone around him. Um, the coaching staff has, has sharpened up the uh, even, you know, every reserve, the, even the existing stars. I mean, everyone is is working hard to kind of uh, meet the expectations that, that he's setting just by leading uh, by example. 
Charles, I, I myself was one of the uh, <laughs> Rooney signing haters, if you will. Uh, to, to me, I, <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to admit, just for the, the you know, just so Stephen can get uh, can get aroused out of this, uh, I, I, it was a good, it's a good, it's been a good signing. But yep. uh, what, what I want to ask you is, what does what does the Rooney signing uh, suggest to MLS front offices and players in Europe about coming to MLS? Yeah, so and I, we, I think every move, you know, has a certain amount of context around it. And there's a ton of context, and I'll, um, I'll spare spare that for now until we need to get further into it in this conversation. But Rooney, uh, it's not not a cheap investment. I mean, maybe if you're judging my Atlanta standard, you wouldn't see it as a, a, a big ticket buy, but by by traditional mainstream MLS standards, and most definitely by East United standards, you know that he's the high, highest paid player in the history of the club. His his annual salary is double what the previous highest paid player in the history of the club was, which is their first ever designated player, Marcelo Gallardo, who's currently the manager at uh, River Plate in Argentina. Um, and he's, uh, I think it's a 13 million, maybe 15 million dollar complete commitment for I want to say a three and a half year deal. Don't quote me on those numbers; they can be they can be checked out, but. Um, so they, they're paying for this, and I think the the longer term issue for DC is that they're going to have to. Um, uh, it's a little bit reminiscent of of the federation hiring Klinsman, right? So you you you've shown ambition, but that's great. But once you show ambition, you have to continue to show ambition, or you look even worse than you did before, right? So DC still is going to have to invest significantly if they want to make this stick. This is more than a flash in the pan, um, but I think it shows that even a player that's perceived in the general. Uh, world soccer community as being past his, his prime, um, it, it can still be, be a, a game-breaking uh, arrival in MLS. Whether it's, and, and again, for all the reasons that we talked about with Rooney, all the different elements of context, much the same as, as Zlatan, I think. Um, you, you know, you, you're, you're signing more than you think, maybe, as Zlatan has showed us that sometimes it can expose your flaws even more quickly than being a mediocre team can in MLS. Um, but it, it 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 can have a big effect because there's there's guy these guys are world class players, and there's just not that many world class players in MLS more than there were before 10 20 years ago, but but still uh, not enough to where a player like Rooney can't have a huge impact. Uh, as of <clears throat> September 22nd, according to 5:38 predictions, DC United have a 39% chance of making the playoffs. Talked about it here in the first question, but how do you see their chances working out here? Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm leery of diving in. Uh, I certainly know far less than the 538 wants to, but uh, I thought the most revealing, uh, uh, and I, I didn't look at where Montreal and DC stack up in the, the the latest permutations that they released, but I remember looking at one a, a week or three ago um, that had them coming down to a statistical or a finishing level on points and having the final playoff slot in the Eastern Conference decided by the tiebreaker, the goals goal differential tiebreaker. And it, it, it's looking that way now. Now, you know, if Montreal has controlled their destiny and DC do not. So uh, if, if the impact, um, you know, keep this kind of little run of form there on, they, they did drop two points at home yesterday, um, but it, there's, it's understandable to some extent against NYC. But if they, if they handle their business, it's going to be very tough for DC. DC, I think, still needs some help. Um, but that, that backloaded schedule really does uh, have a big impact. Uh, Charles, I just looked up the the 538 uh, predictions uh, for the uh, Eastern Conference playoffs, and they have Montreal right at uh, 56 percent. Just for 
just for the point of reference here. But uh, we let's just let's just say DC United they they they, they get into the playoffs. We, we talk about Atlanta United, NYCFC, and New York Red Bulls as being favorites in the East. With the, the run of form that DC United has been on recently, should they also be included in that group? I don't think they're in the, the conference elite, no. I mean, if they if they were, we would have seen them get uh, more than one point in uh, from, from two home matches against the Red Bulls, for example. Yeah, they, they had a big signpost sort of victory uh, against Atlanta United a, a couple weeks ago at home. I think they can beat anyone on their day, as they showed there. Um, the, the issue, though, is just um, you know, being able to sustain that level. Being, um, it, you know, the, the 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 philosophy and the the aesthetics of DC United's play have improved dramatically in, in the current situation with Rooney and the and the new stadium. But um, I don't know if they are if they kind of have that tried and true identity the way that Atlanta, and New York, Red Bull keeps showing with just kind of showing they're the class of the conference. Um, which I really think it's a it's a two a two horse race in, in terms of the, the actual elite for both the league and the conference, and it's those two, and everybody else is a, a few steps behind. But you know, the playoffs don't necessarily reward that type of team. Um, the playoffs reward momentum, um, game management, um, big moments, right? And so we've seen a lot of ambushes over the years, especially against the higher seeds. So I think DC United is going to, they keep on their current track or possibly even improve it. They're going to be a really tough out. They're going to be a, a, a treacherous matchup in any playoff situation, especially a, you know, a, a knockout round game even more so, but also a two-legged series. You know, it's really interesting, Charles. It's suddenly like DC United suddenly have become watch-watch TV with the Rooney factor and the fact that they're trying to get into the playoffs. They've had all this momentum behind them. It's fascinating how a player can, you know, shift the momentum of a club like this in soccer. But I want to go to a whole different subject, and that's been the, the, the wanting of La Liga to put Girona and Barcelona in Miami. And I, I just wanted somebody else. We talked about this in the first segment. Just wanted your thoughts on, on the potential of having that game here in America and what that means to MLS and U.S. soccer as a whole. Yeah, it's a fascinating situation, isn't it? Um, I'm, I'm watching uh, without a, a great deal of inside information or, or a close perspective on it per se, but I'm watching with great interest because it's this uh, this idea has power. It keeps it keeps popping up, right? We we saw the Premier League flirt with this concept. Now we're seeing Spain with a, a chief executive who uh, um, Tebas seems to ready to kind of go to the wall for this. Now I think he's already made a few strategic missteps. I definitely think there is a strategy at work here, but I'm I'm not sure it's the right strategy. But that he seems to be taking a sort of um, well, look at it this way. Perhaps it's maybe taking a page from from La Liga's elite, uh, from the aristocracy of of FC Barcelona and Real Madrid, where those clubs are so powerful, so successful, um, so well established that that they can create their own reality in a lot of situations. They can uh, throw weight around and make make things the way they want it to be, and that seems to be the part of the the, the strategy here from Tebas. I don't know necessarily that it's going to work because it's you, 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 by crossing national borders, you've traced into some bureaucratic territory. Multiple bureaucratic systems have to be negotiated and, and navigated here, and I, I don't see him as necessarily being the guy to do it. Um, but it's going to require one or more of those entities, CONCACAF, FIFA, um, most likely to stand up and take explicit action. And when that happens, uh, you know, Given the cultures we're talking about, the organizational cultures, any, anything could happen. You know, I, I'm not ruling out that this can come to pass, but I think it's a much heavier lift than their than their PR campaign has has hinted at, or, or given the idea that it is. It's, this is a this is a tortured 
uh, path for them to navigate. And I, we'll see. As of now, I have my doubts, but I'm certainly not ruling it out. A couple more questions here before we let you go, Charles. Another week passes, and U.S. soccer still has not named a head coach for the men's national team. Any insights into what they are thinking right now or who they may be looking at? Well, oh yeah, they still haven't filled that, have they, guys? How long has it been now? Are we on 300? Are we, we're 300 plus days, yeah. I think, right? Uh, too many, I think, is the, yeah. is the correct answer. We're too coming many. up on the anniversary. There's, there's a couple <laughs> of unhappy anniversaries approaching for the Federation and the, and the Men's National Team Program. Uh, Kuba, Kuba Gate or, or um, Kuba Gazi, whatever you want to call it, that's going to celebrate, celebrate the one-year anniversary in just a two uh, here, and then and then Bruce Arena's um, uh, his sort of Waterloo moment finally uh, stepping down, and and I'm I, I honestly am, if you told me back then that we'd still we'd be where we are now in this process, I would have been flabbergasted. Uh, and and there are those in the in the industry who will say, look, I mean, get, get off your high horse, um, don't be a don't be a diva or don't be uh, dramatic about this. There's been no reason to hire a coach, right? There's there's no real urgency here other than the simple concept of uh, sort of appearances and, and, and uh, the kind of softer parts of the, of the equation and perception. But um, I, I think there, you, you string it all out, it shows you that U.S. soccer and American soccer in general is still not that big. We're, we're, we're not as big time as we tell ourselves in, in a lot of moments because um, they all, there's only enough institutional heft to handle sort of one big project at a time, it appears, right? They they had the, uh, the presidential election, then you had the World Cup bid, uh, and now and then, so only in the recent months has the machinery really clanked into gear on this particular matter. And uh, you know they, they're going to give Ernie Stewart the time to, to do it the way he thinks should be done with heavy input, and that they, they're clearly trying to make the whole process of how everything works around the program much more of a collective or council-based approach rather than a big personalities approach of a, uh, a coach or technical director uh, kind of bossing the show and making all the decisions. They, they want this to be a collective. Now, we, I think there are definitely some legitimate doubts about the collective that's going to decide and whether it's the right group of people, whether it's a qualified group of people, and whether it's a significantly ideologically and um, background-wise diverse group that, that brings different perspectives to the table. I, I have doubts about those finer points. Um, but they are trying to kind of be process-oriented and organizationally oriented. Let me last question here, Charles. I have to give this credit to Armand. He said this on the uh, last week's show. And why hasn't Oscar Pereira been linked with the U.S. men's national team job? A lot of focus have been on MLS coaches. Burr seems to be the leading charge. You've had Tata Makino also had some sort of rumors with the job. But why not Oscar Pereira? He's been very successful with FC Dallas, and it, it, he's done it over a period of time now. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you in terms of you know the, uh, the you know the opinions of the matter. Uh, it, it is a little confusing, and and it's also a sign. Honestly, I don't think we should expect things to be very leaky with Ernie Stewart himself. I think the leaks may start the, the legitimate reports, and, and there there has been reporting on this already. I think Taylor Twelman and others, the, the the main press back, Ivis Galarza, Jeff Carlisle, those guys have all you know issued reporting or or drop reporting to the effect that you know the the shortlist is what we think it is. Berhalter and on forward. Um, and that doesn't mean there won't be additions and subtractions, but maybe we're not in a position now to where enough eyes have seen that. But I, I'm really surprised that we haven't had a public connection or a, a, a reporting connection to Pereja because he's done something similar, perhaps not as uh, aesthetically and tactically sexy as what Berhalter style does, but he's done 
done it in a wider variety of circumstances over a bigger sample size. Uh, I think people easily, easily forget the reason Pereja is in Dallas is that he had he achieved good things with and, and did grew players, made American players better uh, at the Colorado Rapids before he took uh, went back to FC Dallas and became the head coach there. So I think he has a he has a resume that 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 should count here. The question is whether he's in the right circles. Um, unfortunately, it'd be as best as I know about this organization. There definitely are circles of influence, networks, um, you know, good old boy uh, relationships that maybe you'd say are a reality of humanity, but maybe are a little overly influential in this particular case because of the small groups of people that we're talking about making these decisions, being on these short lists. So we, we shall see. I wish that the, that the search in general was much broader, was much more exhaustive, was global. I think you throw everything at the wall here and see what sticks. You, you reach out globally across multiple networks um, to see what you get because this is a federation and a program in need of new ideas and dynamic um, new conversations. And I think you have to reach a little bit further than they appear to be reaching at this moment to get that. Charles, thanks for the time today and, and providing wonderful insight into DC United and U.S. soccer. Uh, please tell our listeners where we can find your work and where we can find you on Twitter. Yeah, Twitter's a place to start, isn't it, guys? Because you can, you can throw yourself up there whenever. But yeah, right now, most of my work is on MLSsoccer.com and USsoccerplayers.com. And anybody else I can convince to put me to work uh, beyond that. So check that out. And, uh, and the folks can drop me a tweet whenever. Awesome. Well, Charles, thanks again. Have a good day. You guys as well. Enjoy the show. Jake, you were wrong about Wayne Rooney. Will you admit that now? Play 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 the soundbite. I know you want to play the soundbite. I know. You know the funny 51. thing is, I'm not going to play the soundbite because we don't have enough time to do that. But I, it is funny. He's proved a lot of doubters wrong. Well done, Wayne Rooney. He has, however, I'm still going to argue that DC United having a string of like what 14 home games and like 16 games or whatever, whatever it was. I mean, come on. I mean, that definitely has an effect on the oh, team yeah. as well. But, I mean, it's a lot of fun. He's been great. He's been great. I know. That's what you want That's what you want to hear me say. I admitted I was wrong in, in the interview with Charles. The listeners can hear it. I I was wrong. And next week, when we record, you can get uh, – I will next week we can get Armand's apology letter to <laughs> D.C. United fans and, and Wayne Rooney fans worldwide. All right, we'll, we'll so, do that. So I know that's what you want. That's what you want to hear. You want to hear. I'm. You, you're the all-knowing uh, yep. soccer. Yep. Uh, I'm the fan on this on this podcast. So th- there you go. There you go, Commander in Chief here. All right, up next, counterattack. Fast-paced, shifty movement, brilliant skill. Goal! It's the counterattack with Jake Watroba. It's counterattack time here on Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. We're dusting it off. We're bringing it back. We've we put it on the shelf for a few weeks. But uh, in Armand's place today, we have Eric Langmack. He's the contributor uh, for us here at Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. Eric, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, guys, for having me. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. We're going to dive right in here. We're going to start with some fan mail. We got some listener mail yes. this week. Uh, 
And not directed at you, Jake. Com oh, every it's always directed at me. It's always directed at me. Thankfully, I'm <laughs> the host of the Counter-Tax. So, uh, so we got some mail here from Harry. Harry's down in San Antonio. Uh, let's let's overview uh, uh, message here uh, in regards to our hot takes last week. Not disagree with your last hot takes. When has MLS said they are going back to Columbus like they did with San Jose? Hint, they didn't. So Houston and San Jose is completely different. Columbus is being replaced with FC Cincinnati. And the point of getting people upset is the history of Austin to MLS. And yes, this game was circled because Columbus is heading to Austin. And it was organized. That's why they wanted to try to build relationships. You don't build relationships as individuals with supporters groups. Love the show, but you're making me want to yell at you. Guys, what are your, what are your, what is your take on Harry's take on my hot take? <laughs> like, it's like take inception. Well, let, let's give it to Eric since, you know, we don't really know what his take is. All right, so here's my thought on this whole process. So obviously, as everyone knows, MLS has botched this whole situation completely. I think everyone from Columbus to Seattle to Austin can agree that it's just a mess. Um, I don't necessarily think that they're headed back towards Columbus if they do move to Austin in the near future, just again because Cincinnati's right there. They're hoping some of those fans will kind of just jump over and we'll see what happens. Um, I do think, however, and obviously they did circle the day to FC Dallas. It's the closest team to them in Austin, you know, to be able to see Columbus um, for most of the fans. But the take that it's like group and, or that it was group organized, I can go either way. Um, like I know from some supporters groups, there's obviously a couple of key leaders. And so if those key leaders are going up individually to Dallas to have some sort of relationship building um i can i can see how that would not be considered the group but individual um connections but still being able to build relationship with dallas for the potential austin franchise and, and steven what, what i mean what are your what are your takes i guess we, we, we've heard uh, your take. we'll talk Let's about it next Harry's. week on the show next week harry you'll have to listen next week we got something special that we're working on behind the scenes. I'm not going to spoil it. Next week. There, there you go. A little teaser. Moving on, though. Let's uh, let's let's we're gonna let's talk a little bit. Steve Nash. So as you guys know, Steve Nash is now going to be the studio analyst for Bleacher Report and Turner Sports, as they are now the they now hold the broadcasting rights for the Champions League. Steve Nash recently was on the Bill Simmons podcast. Talking soccer, you know, that's that's good. We like that. We like to hear people talk about MLS <laughs> yes, and soccer yes. on these big, big shows, these big podcasts. Uh, but Steve Nash had some interesting comments on MLS and, and, and Liga MX. So Steven, why don't you play the tape? So what do you think about this? Um, MLS and Mexico's top division joining and having relegation promotion. That's what should happen. Yeah. But me, Mexico's division is better than the MOS. That's like yeah, triple A. Yeah, I would say and, and, MOS is high double A. Well, and they, it is, um, Mexico develops more players, I would say, yeah. in general. One, 
it's a much older league. You know, they have a lot more history. And but experience. that's where this should go. I don't understand why that hasn't and, happened. And, yet. and yeah, I, well, I think you got to do it carefully when you've got all the owners trying to figure out how like going, you, you buy a franchise and then they tell you, Oh, by the way, you're going to be in the second division. There's going to be, I think it's got a, there's going to be a sales process, right? Where you get all these owners on board to realize then you'll become a global league. So Steve Nash thinks it's a great idea to have Liga MX and MLS merge and create this U.S. slash Mexico. It's so dumb. Oh, so dumb. Guys, what do you you listen to it? What what are your takes? Let's start with Steven here. This is a ridiculously stupid take. And we jumping through hula hoops. We know the hula hoop jumping it takes to move a La Liga match to the U.S. We know FIFA is very strict on what it means to respect countries or federations' borders. Yeah, there's no chance La Liga and MLS merge. That would go against everything that FIFA stands for. Uh, and it's just stupid because it's not going to do anything special. Yeah, nothing Nothing would change anything like Steven said. It would, I mean, if anything, I could see the U.S. and Canada potentially doing something like this just because Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, like it's kind of already started. So I could see that. But saying that U.S. and Mexico, even though they're not the top leagues, you know, merging together to create a league that'll compete internationally, it'd be like saying hey, the Danish league and you know the Dutch league, they should merge together and create their own league, and that'll help drive them higher up the hierarchy of world soccer. And it's, that's just ridiculous. I agree, I agree. Let's let's move on here. Let's keep things rolling. Uh, let's, let's move to Joey Barton's comments on Neymar. Did you guys, you read this? You see this? You hear about this? Love it. <laughs> it's good. Uh, Joey Barton. I don't even know who Joey Barton even plays for, by the way. So that oh. that should that should tell you where Joey Barton ranks on the hierarchy of players yeah. in world soccer. Beautiful, Jake. Doing your research well. Uh, yes. Yeah. I, 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 my only recollection of Joey Barton is getting like constant red cards at Burnley and QPR and, and places like that. But Joey Barton recently said Neymar is the Kim Kardashian of football. <laughs> That might be honestly the best comparison someone has ever made. Period. It's that, Why is that? good. I don't know. Neymar to me, he 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 he's on a different level of, in regards to Messi and Ronaldo. I think Neymar wants to be more of a fanboy and paparazzi and glamour than he does. Just wants to be a just a soccer player. That, that's the impression I get. So I can I I can agree with this with the Kardashian take, and I also um, I I'd almost compare it to Aaron Rodgers of the NFL. I'm just getting done watching NFL football, and he's you know he's good. And Aaron Rodgers is good. Neymar is good. They're both very good players, but they both have that tendency to you know provide that extra candor for the fans for the media. And just have that extra little pizzazz. And if something terribly goes wrong to them, um, you know, it's everyone else's fault. You know, Aaron Rodgers' collarbone break, Neymar with all of his World Cup fiasco. You saw when Brazil played the U.S. And uh, DeAndre Yedlin even went up to the referee and was like, did you watch the World Cup? Like, he just dives all the time. Um, So I can totally see that. 
Yeah, I <laughs> I guess the only thing Neymar is missing here in his his uh, resume for Card- Kardashian is probably a, a sex tape or, or something. But <laughs> I bet that exists. <laughs> I thought, yeah, you might you might be right. But okay, let's move on here. Fi- final final uh, final topic on the counterattack. Odell Beckham Jr. of the New York Football Giants was on Kevin Hart's. I don't know if it's if you would call it a YouTube channel or a internet show, I, but he was on Kevin Hart's Cold as Balls this past week. Basically, if you're not familiar with it, Kevin Hart and an athlete or whomever, they sit in an ice bath. They talk for about 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, they, you know, go back and forth. Just just a, you know, an informal interview, if you will. But Odell Beckham revealed that he uh, grew up playing soccer. And uh, some of the things he says are kind of surprising in regards to how good he was with soccer and not so surprising as it regards to youth soccer in this country. Steven, put on your producer hat again and roll the tape. So soccer was the first sport I played since I was three when I was about 13. I was going to go join the national team, but you know, growing up how we grew up, we couldn't just leave the country and, and go play another sport. So I had to stick with basketball, baseball, and football. Were you good at soccer? When I said I was 13, I was going to try for the national team. That's what And I was. soccer? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Do people notice? I don't think so. Guys, so a lot to break down here. <laughs> first and foremost, it's... Uh, pretty clear and obvious there is an issue in this country with pay-to-play. As Odell Beckham said, uh, he couldn't afford to travel to play in tournaments or to play soccer. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna visit this question four years earlier than we normally do. Uh, what what if, if our best athletes played soccer? How good would we be on the world stage? Who, who made that comparison? Somebody was it Bill that, Simmons? Doug- Doug Gottlieb. Doug Gottlieb this summer was talking about, uh, I can't remember who the player was, but it basically said, oh, if our best players played soccer, we would win the World Cup every four years. OBJ playing soccer, it is interesting. I mean, he does have a fascination with soccer. He, I think there was a, a YouTube, uh, I think with Bayern Munich, he was over there and he was kicking it around and hanging out with, I think, Thomas Miller, Mueller or somebody. I don't remember. But, uh, yeah, don't be surprised if in the next generation of athletes here in the next 10 years, a lot of them did play soccer growing up and were part of the DA and just either couldn't move forward with it or realize, hey, I'm making more money and getting more prestige playing high school basketball and going to college or going to college football and making my way to the NFL. In regarding to you know, OBJ and his saying, like, yeah, I was really good at soccer. I don't doubt it one bit. Um, you know, he's got a world-class um, athlete um, all around him. I think it shows also, I mean, football has, you know, you have high school football and that's it. You know, at soccer and basketball and some other places, you have your school team, you have your traveling team, your competitive team, your winter team. There's so many different teams that everyone's a part of to try and get more experience, get more training, get more exposure, where football, like, Boom, you have this fall and your high school, and that's it. And I'm not saying that, you know, soccer needs to go that route and just simplify everything, but it does make it a little easier and a little more concentrated where you're not having to shell out all that extra money for all the different teams um, that you're trying to be on to impress. I, yeah, I mean, it, it, from the sounds of it, it sounds like U.S. soccer missed out on an opportunity to have a, a potential world class athlete in the fold. Uh, for them or at least in the in the talent pool so uh but that's it that's all i got for the counterattack this week blow the whistle blow the whistle anyway listeners we appreciate it 
Follow us on Twitter, Unc Sam Soccer Pod. Follow the show. Send us your comments. Hate mail at Jake with Trollblood. Big shout out. Thanks to Eric. Eric, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, at Eric Lattimac. There you go. Follow him there. At Steven Johnner, at Jake with Trollblood, at Armonk5. We'll be back.